The Bible reading is from the book of Luke, chapter 6, from verse 17 to 26. Blessings and woes. He went down with them and stood on a level place. A large crowd of his disciples and that was there and a great number of people from all Judea, from Jerusalem, from the coastal region around Tyre and Sidon, who had come to hear him and to be healed of their disease. Those troubled by impure spirits were cured, and the people all tied to touch him because power was coming from him and healing them all. Looking at his disciples, he said, Blessed are you who are poor, for yours is the kingdom of God. Blessed are you who hunger now, for you will be satisfied. Blessed are you who weep now, for your for you will laugh. Blessed are you when people hate you, when they exclude you and insult you and reject your names as evil because of the Son of Man. Rejoice in the day and leap for joy because great is yours reward in heaven for that is how their ancestors treat the prophets. But woe to you who are rich, for you have already received your comfort. Woe to you who are well fed now, for you will go hungry. Woe to you who laugh now, for you will mourn and weep. Woe to you when everyone speaks well of you, for that is how their ancestors treat the false prophet. This is the word of the Lord. Good morning, early service. It's the first time I've been along here to an early service. And uh, I think the 11.15 is tipping you in terms of numbers a bit. Um, But it's lovely to be with you this morning. And uh, we are in Luke chapter 6, verses 17 to 26. And we are preaching or speaking about Jesus comes to bless. Uh, It's something that we really need in our lives. Jesus who comes to bless. We heard last week how the kingdom of God is not a religious system, nothing to do with religion. It's not a political kingdom. It's not Herodian, as Eddie was saying last week. It has no affiliation to the political systems of the world. It is uniquely different. It's a divinely inspired kingdom of the heart. That's what the kingdom of God is. The kingdom of God is within you. And uh, as we read earlier, we see that Jesus has chosen his 12 disciples. 12 is the number of the tribes of Israel, which indicates that Jesus was now establishing the new Israel. Not with learned theological... uh, bright sparks and uh, learned men, but with ordinary people like you and me. Uh, 
the true Israel, the people of God from outside of the religious establishment. And it is God's kingdom in stark contrast to the national ritual of the Jerusalem temple. Something profoundly different is going on here. Uh, As you know, uh, the kingdom of heaven will always arise with life-changing power. Whenever anyone encounters the kingdom of God, there is life-changing power. And an unchanged life means that no one or you have not touched the kingdom of God in any way. It's not a political or religious power. It's a divine power to heal human hearts. That's why Jesus brought the kingdom of God to us, so that we might find healing and restoration. Uh, We might inquire of God and find the wisdom of God. And so my first point is that the kingdom always comes with power to heal. In verse 17, we read uh, that Jesus uh, has come down the mountain. Uh, he's, he's come down from a night of prayer. Verse 12 there, he went on a mountainside, spelt, spent the night praying to God. Not many of us would contemplate spending the whole night in prayer to God. But this was Jesus' heart, his connection, his relationship with the Father Uh, and the commission that the Father had laid on him. And he comes down from the mountain of prayer to the multitude who are gathered at the bottom of the mountain. And uh, he stands there in a level place, the verse tells us. Uh, He stood on a level place, and a large crowd of his disciples was, was there, and a great number of people from all over Judea And possibly he needed to stand in a level place because he is about to be overwhelmed with multitudes of people trying to touch him, just to touch Jesus, to handle him, to touch the one who was the Messiah. This is what his disciples believed. And he knew he needed somewhere level to stand. uh, And he needed space for them to approach him. So he stands in a level place. And he is deeply aware of what the people need. He knows that they are going to crowd around him and come to him, seeking to touch him. And of course, he is imbued with the power of heaven. And and something remarkable happens because he's deeply aware of what people need. And he knows what you need too. He's deeply aware. He's fully aware of what your heart needs here this morning. And these multitudes are gathering from afar. In in the second half of verse 17, we see that um, a great number of people from all over Judea, from Jerusalem and from the coastal region around Tyre and Sidon. Now that's right up in the north, right up in the north coast. They must have traveled a very long way to be there where Jesus was and to hear Jesus preach about the kingdom that was coming among them with great power. Um, In fact, that great power where he comes to heal them of their diseases, those troubled by impure spirits, were all cured because power was coming from him and healing them all. Obviously, that's the word dunamis, which we get the word dynamite from that. But he was healing all their diseases. He was delivering them from spiritual darkness and oppression. And that is what he's come to do among us. 
heaven had come down from the mountain and stood among them. And uh, just to touch him was to touch the power of the kingdom of God and to gain release and healing. Just to touch him. I don't know how your heart is, but I long for the day when I'm able ultimately to touch the Lord Jesus when I reach out my hand and he'll be right there before me to be changed by his power. Many desired to be healed and many reached out for him, but you can also be sure that in the multitude were those who were merely curious. They were attracted uh, by reports of his teaching and his wisdom, perhaps even his miracles. They were curious people. And there'll always be those people who come to church who are curious. They may be seeking, or they may just be curious. And when people encounter the kingdom of God, there comes a powerful desire to reach out and touch it. And this is what happens to us, a desire to reach out and touch the Lord. Our hearts yearning for him. But in the reaching out, in that reaching out, as we reach out to touch the Lord, metaphorically, if you like, with our hearts, is, this, is this the presence of faith. Um, the conviction of faith. If I can just touch him or even his cloak, I will be healed. Do you remember that? In Matthew 9.20, a woman who had been subject to bleeding for 12 years came up behind him and touched the edge of his cloak. And she said to herself, if I can only touch his cloak, I will be healed. And Jesus said to her daughter, your faith has healed you. It is our faith as we reach out to touch the Lord Jesus that we encounter the power, the healing power of the Lord Jesus. And to touch Jesus by faith is to gain our ultimate healing. Uh, It's for the deliverance of our souls. And it can only come through Jesus. To approach God by faith is to draw down the power of God into our hearts. But it's by faith we reach out. The kingdom of God is only entered into and encountered by faith. And without a yearning faith, the kingdom of God is closed to us. No one ever enters the kingdom of God without a desperate, desperate, outstretched faith in Jesus, seeking the answers, seeking to know, seeking to confront, seeking to touch, seeking the power of God to change. It's a desperate, outstretched faith in Jesus. And we don't just casually saunter through the doors uh, into the kingdom of God to taste the fruits of heaven and then to decide if it maybe is to our liking. It's, it does not work that way. We come to him because we yearn for that. We come by faith because we are longing for the answers and the purpose of our lives. And it is a desperate faith reaching out and pressing in to touch him because we are afflicted, and he alone has the power to heal and to deliver. And the kingdom of God comes with power to heal. And those of us who have touched the kingdom of God, uh, in a manner of speaking, who have encountered the Lord Jesus, who have experienced the life-changing power of God as the Holy Spirit comes to enter in and take up dwelling 
in us. We have sensed the power of God in our hearts. We know. We know that power. And these people here who were looking, these troubled by impure spirits, they were cured. Those who had come to be healed of their diseases and all the people that tried to touch him, they were reaching out for him because power was coming from him and he was healing them all. Secondly, the kingdom of God always comes with joy. Um, The word blessed there is better translated happy. That's what it means. (laughs) Happy. Uh, You could read that again. Happy are you who are poor, for yours is the kingdom of God. And his discourse of the blessings and woes from verse 24 to 26 makes a mockery of the world's values. If you read through these, uh, these attributes, the way Jesus um, identifies the kingdom of God, you'll see that, it's, that it makes a mockery of the world's values. Uh, the kingdom, kingdom values exalt what the world despises. And they reject what the world admires. And Jesus turns the world on its head, or maybe he turns the world right side up. When we come to Christ, we are blessed and happy because we have experienced something of these blessings that he describes here in verse 20. And he's preaching this to the people, and the people are encountering the kingdom, and it's turning the world right side up. And Christians are always at odds with the world. That is a fact. We are at odds with the world. We seek to declare the gospel. We seek to share the truth of God with the world. But ultimately, the values of the world are not our values. We are strangers and aliens in a foreign land, as these blessings pronounce. Blessed are you who are poor, for yours is the kingdom of God. And it's not poverty, but those who are who are who recognize perhaps the bankruptcy of their own souls. We are bankrupt without God. Our souls are dry and bankrupt and empty without the Lord. Matthew actually says, those who are poor in spirit. And we declare with Paul, the Apostle Paul, we can say with him, wretched man that I am, who will deliver me from this body of death? And he goes on, thanks be to God through Jesus Christ. But we recognize our wretchedness. We recognize our deep failing, uh, our weakness as humans to bring anything to bear that is a solution uh, for ourselves and, and for those perhaps we love and for the world. Because the world is following the completely wrong set of values. And it's only when these the blessings of the kingdom get into us, then we find life beginning to change. It's an ugly thing to truly see ourselves as we really are. There's nothing that we naturally despise to see in a person more than the mean spirit of a self-satisfied hypocrite who sees all the problems of the world out there but does not see anything wrong with his own heart. And it's clear that the Pharisees and the teachers of the law were that way. And may God grant us eyes to see into our own hearts and to see those things about us that we are sometimes blind to. We have this, sometimes we're blinkered and blind to to what's really in our hearts. 
And Jesus said, I am meek and lowly in spirit. In the sense of self-emptied. But filled with the love and power of God. And so we want less of ourselves and we want more of God. We want these blessings to live in us. We want this to be our experience. Blessed are you who hunger now, for you will be satisfied. Blessed are you who weep now, for you will laugh. Do you know, you sense that in your own heart? That hunger, that hunger, knowing that things are not as they should be ultimately, but that one day it will be, and we will be satisfied, and we weep over the things we encounter in life. Not only the problems we face, but, the, but life itself. Do you find at times joining with the Apostle Paul and saying to him, <clears throat> I can't wait to depart this life and be with Christ? I don't know if you say that. I do. I sometimes look at a situation or consider it and I go, Oh Lord, take me. I, I, I remember saying that when I had COVID last year. It was very bad, and and I I was saying, Lord, I'm happy, take me now, because it was so bad. These words of Jesus speak for our yearning, speak of our yearning for righteousness. We are sensitive to the evil in the world. It's all around us. We're constantly rubbing shoulders with it, and its rebellion is against God, and we long to see the evils of this world put right. We are poor in spirit and there's also a consuming passion in us for righteousness. We're hungry for the word. Matthew says we hunger and thirst for righteousness. And blessed are you when people hate you, when they exclude you and insult you and reject your name as evil because of the Son of Man. If we've suffered hostility and persecution for our faith in Christ, we stand in a godly succession. Church has undergone tremendous persecutions. In fact, the prophets were treated the same way, we read in verse 23. And as were the apostles in Acts chapter 5, verse 40, the Sanhedrin called the apostles in and had them flogged. Then they ordered them not to speak in the name of Jesus and let them go. The apostle left the Sanhedrin, rejoicing because they had been counted worthy of suffering disgrace for the name. And sometimes when we're mocked or ridiculed for our faith, uh, rejoicing is really the last thing on our minds. We want to go go and hide under a rock somewhere. But we should expect nothing less in an increasingly secular and godless society as we defend and proclaim the good news of God's kingdom that that has come upon us of which we are citizens and we live in that kingdom and we hunger and we thirst for the righteousness of that kingdom. We're hungry and needy people and we want that kingdom to manifest within us and yet we must interface with a world of evil. It's not easy for us. The mark of the Christian is to attract insult and hostility because of the gospel and as we've seen in the past, it included excommunication by the church itself, which makes every heart weep for the church's past apostasy. I think the church is constantly in need of reforming. God needs to be constantly reminding us 
about the values of the kingdom of God. These values here. And today's church is in danger, I think, sometimes of being subsumed into the culture of our sophisticated and inclusive and tolerant society. And if the devil can't persecute you, then he will seduce you. And he's very good at that too. And this is the danger that faces the church in the West in general. Thirdly, the kingdom of God always comes with warnings of doom. Jesus has been talking up to this point uh, to his disciples. And now he speaks to others, to, to the multitude who had come to hear uh, with curiosity, perhaps, to see and to hear. And say, wow, did you go and see what Jesus was doing on the mountain? Wow, wasn't it awesome? You know, those who are curious to know. And this is what he says, but woe to you who are rich, for you have already received your comfort. Woe to you who are well fed now, for you will go hungry. And woe to you who laugh now, for you will mourn and weep. And woe to you when everyone speaks well of you, for that is how the ancestors treated the false prophets. Not only is the gospel good news for us, but it's bad news for the world. It's bad news for those who hear it and fail to heed its invitation to a truly new and rich life. There can be people among us today who are hearing about the kingdom of God and the invitation of Jesus to come to me. All you who are burdened and labor and heavy la- burdened, and, and I will give you rest. People who hear that but won't come. And ultimately, that is bad news for them because it is the rich and the well-fed and the self-satisfied group who are in view here. And these woes pronounce a damning verdict on the values that the world regards as desirable to have wealth, to be comforted in our wealth, to be well-fed, to enjoy life, uh, to have good friends and have a good reputation. Those are the values of the world. I think the value, the, the, the reputation that we really truly seek is a reputation that we belong to Christ. We are his servants. We are his children. And these woes pronounce a damning verdict on values that the world regards as desirable. So I've got three things uh, that this passage asks us here this morning. Three things, uh, three key questions that we can ask of ourselves. And the first question is, have we reached out in that searching faith to touch the Lord Jesus? in search of the kingdom of God for our ultimate healing through him. Not only body, but mind, emotion, and spirit. A complete and fully rounded healing that comes to us through Jesus. Have we reached out in faith to touch him? Secondly, has the kingdom of God entered in and given us an inexpressible joy? Are we enjoying the life of being a Christian? Or is it burdensome for us? Has it entered in and given us an inexpressible joy that though you have not seen him, you love him. And even though you do not see him now, you believe in him and are filled with an inexpressible 
and glorious joy. And then lastly, are we still yearning to drink the bitter waters of the values of this world and willing to blend them with the new life we have in Christ? This is our greatest danger, to try and live in two kingdoms and serve two masters, as Jesus warned us could not be done. And that is the challenge to us. That is what Jesus has challenged the people on the mountain who came reaching out to touch him, to find their healing and restoration. To hear Jesus preach about the values of the kingdom of God and what it really means to belong to the kingdom of God and to be warned as well about imbibing the values of the world and making those an equal priority in our lives. May God speak to us. May God help us seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. Amen. Let's pray together. Our Heavenly Father, this morning we are, all of us, seeking to reach out by faith and touch you. We long for you to come alongside us at times, especially in our more difficult times, to walk with you, to, to sense your presence as we go about our lives. Remind us, Lord, we pray, often of the presence of the Spirit of God within us, who is there to lead us and guide us into righteousness. And I pray, Lord, this morning that we would all find a deeper and hungering thirst for the kingdom of God, that we would be the process of being changed from one level of glory into another, seeking seeking to be more like Jesus, wanting to, to really live in the values of the kingdom of God and to allow those values to permeate the world in which we live, in our families and in our communities. So, Lord, we really need your help today. Come and heal us, we pray, in Jesus' name. Amen.